2: I'm Melissa Lee and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Dami, Tim Seymour, Steve Grasso, and guest trader Courtney Dominguez, Senior Wealth Advisor at Payne Capital Management. Tonight on Fast, you may be breaking out the barbecue for the holiday, but Bitcoin traders should be bracing for big pain ahead. The chart master lays out his case for a coming crash. Plus, call it the bad news of Boeing. Shares of the plane maker giving back some of yesterday's gains. Is it a cause for concern or an opportunity to get in? And we've got a bonus hour fast coming your way at 6 p.m. The hot list. We're getting the lowdown on the biggest trades of the week. You'll want to hear what tops that list. But the 5 o'clock whistle sounded, and we are kicking off the Memorial Day weekend in a summery kind of mood. The season is shaping up to be a hot one, and we're not talking about the temperatures. Capacity limits are being lifted. Mask mandates are going away. People are going out and spending. Prices are going up as well, but with markets near records and rates holding steady, how are you thinking about your summer playbook? What works in this kind of environment? Guy Dami, kick us off.
3: Hi, Mel. Well, I didn't hear any whistle? so maybe, you know, I'm getting old, so maybe I just missed it. But it's interesting, you know, some of these stocks at all-time highs. One stock that's not at an all-time high that's really gotten whacked since February is Airbnb. And, you know, I saw Brian Chesky on with Jim Cramer a while back. Stock went from, I think, 215 down to 125, trading 140 now. RBC just initiated 175 price target. I know Wells Fargo is positive. This stock coming off earnings, you know, I think it's got its mojo back. And I think this is a stock that can sort of... Uh, try to get back to those levels we saw earlier this year. I think Airbnb for a trade with everything that's going on, given the sell off, sets up really well into June, July.
2: I like that right out of the gate. 01, 501. You have one specific stock, one that you've been pounding the table on for, for the past few shows. But Courtney Dominguez, how do you sort of think about this environment in general and what sorts of, of areas in the market will work with this sort of backdrop?
4: Yeah and I'm, I'm completely on the same page with you I think we're going to continue to see this reopening and Memorial Day weekend really kicking off travel but also just the reopening in general. And interestingly enough you're actually seeing about 57% of Americans so that they plan to do a road trip this summer oddly enough and that's up from about 30% last year so you're really seeing that demand come in. But we're in this period right now where we have low interest rates. We're likely gonna see more stimulus. As we just saw with Biden announcing another announcement on his plan today. Um, and we also have a weak dollar right now. So all of those things are really gonna benefit some of your cyclicals like energy, financials, banks. And you just really wanna make sure that you're taking advantage of that, that right now. And not be overweighted in like the S&P 500, which only has about a third of that weighting right now and is about half in things like consumer discretionary and your tech firms.
2: Yeah, so the things that, that are out of favor right now are heavy obviously in the S&P 500. Tim Seymour, how do you feel about the cyclical trade right now as we enter summer?
1: I love it. Um, and in fact, I feel better about it after we've we've had a little pressure on some of these names. If you look at transports, they've been somewhat quiet. Um, you know, banks were uh, on stage with these hearings this week. And, I, and we reiterated here on the show, um, at least I did, why I, I think the, the valuations in, in banks, which you know, tend to be late cycle uh, cyclicals and where the valuations are not awful. Um, and the earnings power is extraordinary, especially with loan loss uh, reserves coming off. Uh, and, and look, all the strength that we're talking about for the economy, I think we all have some questions about where Fed policy could be dictating the course of asset prices overall, but, but there's no question the third quarter um, is actually gonna make the second quarter look like we were asleep. And because of that, I think those, those cyclical names are actually very exciting to go on. I still like FedEx. Uh, a couple of folks have actually reiterated buys on FedEx this week. Um, multiple, not difficult. And I, I, you know, Courtney talked about energy. Um, I just think people are underestimating the the supply dynamics and both what's happened on the back of COVID, where you've had some geopolitics at work, where you've just worked through uh, oversupply dynamics and where you've had a lack of investment into the sector. OIH, which is really, I think, starting to make a move, uh, understand why people are cautious there. But the energy sector, uh, we spent a ton of time talking about EV, but dirty energy looks interesting to me.
2: How do we factor in the notion of inflation, even if it is transitory? The consumer is, is taking a look at, at inflation every single day whenever they go to any store, you name it, Steve Grosso. And what stood out to me in the Costco call yesterday um, was uh, the, the comparison of inflation back in March versus what they are seeing today. I think it was one and a half uh, percent or so in March, one and a half plus, And it basically doubled to what they're seeing today. And that's that's a big jump in a very short amount of time. And yes, it may not last. But for the consumer, when they go to grab that rotisserie chicken, that CFO yesterday told me on the conference call that likely that $4.99 price tag isn't going to be there. It's going to be higher.
5: And, and you need a double bag on that rotisserie chicken because it they gets leak. really, yeah. really greasy in the, in the back of the car. So when you look at this, though, Melissa, what is that coupled with? It's coupled with mailbox money. So Courtney spoke about it. There's going to be more stimulus. There's stimulus now, so I think that's overcompensating for whatever the rising prices that we're seeing consumers have to deal with. My playbook is the same as it's been for the last couple of months. Chemical names. Uh, you have to play your materials. Chemical. Uh, a name that Karen and I both have been in. URI. I'm not there now, but you got to remember the infrastructure play. The steel names, aluminum names, all of these names are going to pop. Copper is going to pop even further. So I would stay with paper and containers, WRK, West Rock, OLN, TSE. Those are names that are no-brainers for me right now. They've had huge moves up. I think they continue the move. And I think we're in that sweet spot uh, on the 10-year. We're bouncing back and forth from one spot five, three to one spot six, nine. That is just right for both to work, growth
2: and value seems like nothing can break that upper band on the 10-year yield guy, not even the hot, hot, hot inflation numbers that we've seen of late. So does this mean that maybe, just maybe, we get a reprieve for some of the tech names that had been shunned because of fear of rising interest rates? I'm thinking specifically, you know, we were looking at CRM yesterday on the close after its earnings didn't react too well. Today got a nice pop. I mean, could we see names like that finally catch a bid this summer in this environment where, where rates seem to be pretty tame?
3: Yeah, I do think rates are going higher, but there will be names that can continue to work. I mean, CRM, we talked about it last night for a while. You know, I thought it had broken through that downtrend that it's been in for the last, you know, 9 months or so. And I think today's price action sort of today's price action sort of cements that for me. In terms of other names, Nvidia, a lot of people getting all amped up about Nvidia had a one-day lag in terms of what it did post earnings, but you look at the move today, And now I think you can have analysts tripping over themselves with price targets. I think the last one I saw was an upgrade in a $750 price target. You're going to see more of that, I would imagine. So there are names that can work in the environment that I think we're going in. That environment, to me, is still
2: higher rates. I understand Steve is right. We've been in this band. I think we're going to break out of it on the upside. All right. Well, while hot dogs and burgers sizzle on those barbecues, crypto traders may have something else on their minds. The major coins getting slammed heading into the holiday weekend. And given how Bitcoin is traded when the stock markets are closed, how should holders brace for more pain? Let's get some answers from Chartmaster Carter Worth of Cornerstone Macro. Carter, what are you seeing?
6: Well, my goodness, there's a lot going on and obviously the stakes are high because as opposed to a year ago or three or five, the money involved is much bigger. The risk here is that we are forming an important head and shoulders reversal formation. You can be called anything you want. Uh, We're going to look at the charts together and try to figure it out. So the first of a handful. What we know is what? We're talking about an important drop. We hit the highs uh, on the mid-April point, April 14th. right? It was 64,870 or thereabouts. And we plunged 53% right to a trend line and hit the 30,000 level and bounced. But the bounce, as is often the case once you draw down that much, only made it back to where interested sellers were lying in wait, meaning after having lost money and then being able to recoup it, often people sell into that move. And you can see that uh, on that first chart. Now the second chart is the exact same chart, but I've uh, drawn the lines a bit differently, which is to say uh, this is prospectively the shoulder of an important head and shoulders top. And so the mirror image left shoulder is that drawdown in the January period of this year, where we dropped 35% before going on to the big new highs. But here we are, and it's very symmetrical and starting to shape up that way. If and as, indeed, this is the formation and the way forward is lower, how much lower might we be going? Well, next chart. One reference point to consider is, of course, the high that we saw, the all-time high, in December of 2017. and You can see that line I've drawn along there, Uh, often after breaking out from an important level, you'll revisit that level. It's a phenomenon that happens uh, a lot in individual charts in currencies, commodities, and there's no reason it can't happen in Bitcoin. And so that level is 20,000, plus or minus. So the question is, could we possibly, having dropped already 53%, could we go down that far, which would we be looking at a 70 plus percent decline for peak to trough? Well, uh, take a look at the last two charts. We know that Bitcoin has had uh, three similar drawdowns uh, that have actually been even more severe. In 2011, we had a 93% decline. Now, it was new then, and of course, uh, maybe a different animal now, but yet, In 2014-15, we had an 86% decline. And then in 2018-19, we had an 84% decline. 93%, 86%, 84%, meaning it's not out of the question. So final chart, putting those all together, uh, you see those three uh, similar drawdowns, even as this one continues, sort of 80 to 90%. And were we simply to pivot back to the highs from which we broke out, that would be the December 2017 highs, Uh, we would drop as far as 20,000.
2: Wow. 20,000. Carter, thank you. Carter Braxton Worth. So based on what Carter told us before in previous appearance, um, 50 percent or so is garden variety drop. 80 plus percent is not uncommon. Courtney, what, if anything, does this tell you about um, risk appetite in the markets? Is this a gauge at all for you?
4: Yeah, I think my, the, the tough thing with Bitcoin right now is most of the movement is still just on trading and speculation right now. And there's actually less merchants who accept Bitcoin last year than did in 2017. And you're seeing things like Elon Musk came out and said that they're no longer going to accept Bitcoin, which my big problem with that is you're going to see that it's probably a lot less corporate um, uh, corporate guidance is actually going to accept Bitcoin in the future if it's going to increase their, um, their carbon footprint, which really nobody's trying to do right now. So interestingly enough, you actually have seen a lot of people sell out of Bitcoin at a loss Mm -hmm. recently, which isn't a good sign considering they're willing to sell out of it, assuming it's going to go lower. Mm -hmm. So it's nothing that I'm looking at right now. I do still think it's a little bit
2: too speculative and and volatile, um, but definitely interesting to watch here. What is interesting, though, about reclaiming that 20,000 level, which is a long ways from where we are right now, Tim, is that today in today's market, right, think of who has entered the market since that last 20,000 level institutions up and down Wall Street, hedge funds, more retail trade. It is amazing that even with that buy-in from all facets of Wall Street, you can still go back to the 20K. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and and we've seen this in other asset classes, but in aggregate, more money's been lost in in the last two months than was made all the way up. I mean, if you you actually measure it uh, in terms of the capital. So um, the dynamics around risk and Bitcoin, is it is it an analog for the market? I don't think so. Um, I do think that the, the dynamics with Bitcoin are, are truly unique. We've had drivers, we've had Catalyst, we had Coinbase. Um, we've had uh, you know a handful of things that have been part of this arena. It doesn't mean that risk-taking, uh, as, as we've seen overall more broadly in markets, has helped. Bitcoin at times in terms of liquidity. But look, the VIX plunged down near low 16 handle today, down almost 50 percent from the intraday lows of last Wednesday. Um, I, you know, I see a market that's gotten kind of complacent again. And I, I look at, you know, semiconductors have reasserted their leadership. They're up, they've are up; they outperformed the S&P by almost 12 percent in seven sessions. Um, I mean, that's uh, that's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And, and it tells you that I think it's there's a lot of appetite for risk right now.
2: Interesting though, with, with the uh, volatility in Bitcoin mostly going down, um, Grasso, that a lot of the meme stocks have, have found a renaissance, if you will, when you take a look at an AMC, a Beyond and a GameStop. Is there any relationship in your view?
5: So when, when uh, it makes me think about when you said, is there a correlation to risk on or risk off with Bitcoin and things that are sometimes correlated, you, you can't say that they're correlated at all. Uh, I, I don't I, I think that this is more about the environment, more about Elon Musk, the, the most recent action in Bitcoin. I think you could make the correlation to the uh, to the meme stocks uh, just as a matter of people are putting their risk capital in, in a handful of names versus in just one name uh, with Bitcoin. But what's interesting to me <laughs> is if you look at the gold miners, the GDX, the ETF, that's up 14 percent since the middle of April. If you look at what's happened since the middle of April to Bitcoin, those are inversely correlated. So I think that if Carter is right uh, and we see 20,000 in Bitcoin, then we're going to see the continued movement in GDX because there's a lot of that same movement there. But but one last thing with the risk tolerance, you can't say that risk is off the table when you have the S&P. Uh, which is less than a half a percent away from all-time highs. So I think Tim's right. The market's become complacent. People are just letting money ride.
2: All right. Coming up, a stark warning on a slew of new organizations that may be vulnerable to a major cyber attack. The name's best positioned to help keep your information safe. And later on Options Action, we're cracking open a cold one as we get ready for earnings from Corona maker, Constellation Brands. What Mike Coe is seeing in the stars for this report. We'll get some answers when Fast Money returns.
0: You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place?
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. A big warning out of Microsoft. The tech titan saying the group behind the December SolarWinds hack has more targets in its sights. Let's get to Eamon Javers with the very latest developments. Eamon.
7: Melissa, the Russians are back, and this just about three weeks now before the Biden-Putin summit in Geneva, Switzerland, coming up in June. So some tense international backdrop to this one. Microsoft said yesterday uh, that it's about 3,000 email accounts that have been targeted in this latest attack. What they're saying is about 150 groups around the world have been impacted. They're using USAID, that's the U.S. government agency that does foreign aid, to send an email system that they had to send phishing emails to the targets here. They're attacking government groups, non-governmental organizations, think tanks, the military, other organizations, including telecom firms, defense contractors, and the like. Uh, So private sector is a big piece of this. Microsoft saying this is an active incident, that is, it is still ongoing. So they want you to watch out for emails like this one. Take a look. This is the actual USAID email that Microsoft says was involved in this. So people get an email. It looks like something from the government. It's dated May 25th. But then look, it says special alert. Donald Trump has published new documents on election fraud. So this is May. Donald Trump has been out of office since January. Why in the world would Donald Trump be sending anything through a USAID email server? It's unclear, right? And people might be might be curious about that. So they might click on that link. When they click on that link, the Russians get into their system, and then it's off to the races with the hacks. So they're using our own sort of curiosity against us by putting something you know, sort of befuddling or incongruous about that. And you say, hey, wait, that's not right. I'm going to look at that. And then bang, they have you. And so uh, we're going to see from uh, Microsoft exactly how far this went. I'm going to be speaking to a Microsoft executive here shortly. And we'll have more on this this evening on the news with Shepard Smith. But uh, some more details from Microsoft upcoming here, we think, in the next couple of minutes, Melissa.
2: Eamon, the last SolarWinds uh, hack, there was sort of a backdoor that wasn't necessarily Microsoft, but it was a service that Microsoft was using effectively. And I'm wondering, had had they closed that? That hole, so to speak, um, to begin with, and this is a new new yeah, entry in
7: there's been an enormous effort since that SolarWinds hack. Remember, the SolarWinds hack was what they call a supply chain hack, right? right? That is, when you get into the software of a supplier and that software is sent out to the customers, the customers update the software, and now all the customers have that virus in each of their systems as well. So this is something slightly different because it's going after the NGOs directly uh, with these fake emails. But, uh, you know, this is one of those things where uh, they've been patching all the holes, but there's still more holes out there for the bad guys to find.
2: Fine. Yeah, it's like whack-a-mole. Eamon, thank you. Eamon Javers, as Eamon yeah. mentioned. More coverage tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern on the news with Shepard Smith. Guy Adami, this is troubling, but this also means a big, fat pipeline for a lot of the cybersecurity stocks.
3: Yeah, three in particular. And by the way, I totally dig E.J. I know you is do. It's like a it's like man, a I, I, man I, I, love that's, affair. It's cute. No, well, I hope he feels the same way, but I'd be okay if he didn't. And whatever, it's all good. Listen, Zscaler, Palo Alto Networks, and FireEye, names we've been pretty consistent on. And over the last couple of weeks, we had the Jeffries analyst on a few weeks ago. Look at how these names have performed since then. I think FireEye might be an acquisition target. I think Zscaler is going to trade through that April high. And I think Palo Alto Networks is going to trade through its recent all-time high. So those three names, all in this space, make sense in this environment. Tim, quickly. Let me
1: throw another name into the love fest. How about CrowdStrike? A- again, they just gave you numbers. They-, they grew 74% year over year through April, but you know, we know it was a great year to, to see growth. Like they've-, they've reaffirmed somewhere around 50, 52% for the next uh, 12 months. I-, I think this is a-, a-, a great story, and I think this is a story where, yes, the, the entire space is more focused than ever. Um, not cheap, 35 times EV to revenue, uh, but if you look at that chart, 220, 225, looks like she's actually breaking out.
2: Coming up, was Boeing's bounce busted? The headline that had shares of the plane maker doing an about-face today and how to trade that move. And in a special edition of Fast Money at 6 p.m., we are tackling the hot list, the five hottest trades in the market right now and what they mean for your portfolio. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. What a difference a day makes. Shares of Boeing dropping today after their big bounce on Thursday. The company halting deliveries of its 787 Dreamliner as the FAA seeks more information on how the aircraft is inspected. Um, Tim, i got to go to you. You're a Boeing shareholder. So what do you make of this pullback?
1: You know, look, I think the FAA headlines and how Boeing also will comment on them are intentionally conservative and not what's driving the stock. Um, I think, you know, with all the the mishaps and uh, change in, let's just say, communication to the public and, and obviously the relationship with the FAA, I mean, I think you've got a case here where um, that's not really uh, what you're focused on as an investor. You're looking at order book. You're looking at the, the, the issues we talked about yesterday as it relates to international travel.
2: Yeah. Courtney, what do you think?
4: I have to echo those I mean I I really think in the scheme of things all the issues they had today aren't that different than what we've had in the past I don't think is a huge concern for the stock but I think if you are hopeful that air travel is going to increase and it really is especially as we're talking about Memorial Day weekend here in the reopening trade I think Boeing is something kind of interesting to look at there. And order is actually a good thing that you bring up, which over February to April, they actually had one of the highest quarterly orders that going through over any three month period. So you're definitely seeing some long term demand there. I wouldn't worry about some of these recent headlines so much.
2: We saw what the Airbus forecast yesterday did to the supplier, Steve. And so, as a shareholder of GE, does this make a difference?
5: Uh, no, I don't think it makes a difference. I, I mean, all, all of these headlines are going to have knee-jerk reactions. And both GE and Boeing made some, uh, made some nice gains uh, le- yesterday, yesterday, but they, they haven't retraced enough for me to get shaken out of the name.
2: All right. Time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Tim Seymour, what do you say?
1: Yeah, Brazil's been working. EWZ, check it out. Emerging Markets Resources, Brazil.
2: Courtney Dominguez. I
4: also like the international trade. I'm going to go more with your developed markets. I would take a look at VEA here and take a look at their great valuations right now. Steve.
5: I know you're not supposed to buy stocks or hold them because they're a takeout target, but Sonos, I continue to hold, and it doesn't suck
2: if they get taken out, does it? (laughs) Well, it's quite a word you used. Uh, Guy, family show.
3: Rem- remember why you're <laughs> off on Monday, folks. Yes, and
0: yes, I will so see
2: you at the NASDAQ on Tuesday. That is correct. We'll see you all at the NASDAQ on Tuesday.
0: What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration,